Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Thursday, December 1st, 2022. I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined as always by our senior analyst, Mike Tanier. And our special guest this week is David Lombardi from The Athletic, who covers the San Francisco 49ers. There are so many good games this week, six different games between teams with winning records. And that doesn't even count games that are pretty good, even though one of the teams has a losing record, like Raiders-Chargers games are always interesting. But (laughs) we'll get to a lot of those games. We're going to get out of order. And we're going to start with the Dolphins at the 49ers because we have David here. And this is a game that, I mean, you circled before the season because it was, oh, a lot of the 49ers staff went to the Dolphins. Mike McDaniel is now head coach of the Dolphins. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) But I don't think anybody expected that this game would be as big a deal as it certainly Mm -hmm. seems like now. Yeah, I mean, right now, I I see this as a litmus test for the 49ers. Look at their performance defensively this year. They started out, awesome right there on top of all the metrics there the first five weeks of the season then they suffered a bunch of injuries and they had a completely disastrous performance against the chiefs in week seven where the chiefs just scored at will and that was the last time that the 49ers faced a a truly good offense but since that chiefs game they've played four games where they shut out their opposition in the second half and in all, all four of those games so you can only play who is out in front of you on the schedule and and the 49ers defense has certainly moved toward atoning that terrible performance but but now you know they play the Dolphins who are right up there with the Chiefs as far as offensive explosiveness offensive efficiency so to me this is a litmus test you know how, how good is this 49ers defense because they're getting all the roses right now on this shutout streak the second half the second half shutout streak but i don't think that you can undo what happened against Kansas City until you actually succeed against an offense as good as Kansas City's. And uh, I think the data indicates that that Miami's offense is right up there. So for me, I'm looking at this game as as, you know, a a collision course, the Miami offense, the 49ers defense, uh, both getting awesome press, but something's got to give this weekend. Right. And that's the headlining matchup of this battle. And the matchup within the matchup, you might be getting Eric Armstead back for the 49ers. Is that correct? Yeah, probably, actually, because they've been circling week 13 for a while on the calendar to get him back. And, mm-hmm. and he's now been at practice for two straight practices last Friday and Wednesday. Limited fashion at practice, but still, I mean, he, he looks healthy. I think they've been slow playing it intentionally, knowing that this is where you're probably going to need Eric Armstead. And you know, I call it the Armstead squared game because yes. Teron Armstead for the the Dolphins probably won't play. And even if he does play, he's going to be there with a torn pectoral muscle. So he's he's going to be compromised. And they're going to be missing it, it, potentially both of their starting offensive tackles. It's an offensive line that hasn't been good to begin with. Credit to Tua for overcoming that. But at some point, there is a critical mass of losses, right? And there could be on the other side a critical mass of additions. And I think that's what Eric Armstead does for the 49ers defensive line. He, he's such a good run stopper in the middle that unlocks the pass rushing capabilities because you force a team to pass. But uh, pass rushing wise, he's like, he's six, eight. So he's like this big snow plow in, <laughs> in the middle and, and he's taking out the guards and he's opening up matchups for Nick Bosa and the 49ers edge rushers, which is obviously 
this team's strength. I, I personally think it's really hard to measure this. I personally think that Eric Armstead was was worth more than 10 sacks last year, not because he logged the sacks, but other guys were, were able to enjoy one-on-ones thanks to what Eric Armstead was doing. And what uh, people forget was the game's tour was injured. And, of course, Teddy Bridgewater did not play well. The rookie, Skylar Thompson, did not play well. It wasn't just that the backup quarterback was in. Armstead was out for most of that sequence. So yeah. there were a couple, a couple like the Vikings game, which is where the biggest loss the Dolphins had. Of course, they got backup third-string quarterbacks out there. Those are the games that Daniel Hunter was going completely ham on because he wasn't facing Armstead. He was facing the backstead, the backup. That's potentially what could be happening this week. Yeah, and and neither of those two backups are good, as as you just alluded right. to that truth. So yeah. it's uh, Brandon Shell and 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 Little, right, Greg Little. But mm-hmm. so so they they're, I mean, it, it, that's what you expect in NFL teams. Aren't you know we we talked about the salary cap before we came on, and it's it's hard to have depth at a premium position that's good enough to face premium edge rushers, right? So yeah. once you get past your starting left tackle and your starting right tackle, it, it could get ugly. So I expect this to be a quick release game for Tua. He's done a great job releasing the football this year. He's two point mm-hmm. six seconds from snap to release, which which is up in the top five of the NFL. It's going to be up to the 49ers secondary actually to fuel this pass rush, in my opinion. I think that uh, they've already talked about this. Nick Bosa was talking about it yesterday. They, Mike McDaniel is going to come out with a lot of schemed stuff. The The script is he's probably going to try to throw the kitchen sink at the 49ers. Yeah. And they have to be ready on the back end to take away some of the short game. Because if Miami is running the short game with impunity, getting rid of the ball in two seconds, uh, you know, snap to release on every down. The pass rush will never hit. The Dolphins will get in rhythm. 49ers defense will get tired. And, and that's how Miami plays this game on their terms. But if the 49ers are able to, through their cornerback play, linebacker play, safety play, just through mixing coverages, playing some aggressive coverage, but also disguising some stuff, if they're able to take away that short game, that's what forces Tua to sit back in the pocket, survey the field a little bit more. And that's when you can actually take advantage of that matchup between Bosa, Armstead, you know, you, you, you name the edge rusher, you name the defensive lineman against uh, those backup offensive tackles. It's interesting because um, when Tua has to take time to throw, you get this weird dichotomy where on one hand, that's where the San Francisco pass rush can shine. But on the other hand, the weakness of the San Francisco defense is deep passes. So if he can get the ball out and get the ball deep, that's been a weakness for San Francisco's defense for a couple of years. The problem is with that pass rush and with backup offensive tackles, can he throw those throws? Yeah. Well, they have so much speed. Well, one, one thing about speed is uh, guys get open deep a lot quicker than you think that, <laughs> that, that they might be able to in, in most situations. 49ers have a receiver, Danny Gray, rookie, who really hasn't cracked into the lineup yet, but we saw him in the preseason. He's a total speedster. And, and the goal for him, and Shanahan's really particular about his receivers, so you probably won't hear much from him until year two. but um, the, the goal for him, and, and they used this with Trey Lance in the preseason, there was bad pass protection on this one, but I think they're playing the Packers, and Lance still hit him on a go ball for, for a touchdown. And it was just because Danny Gray was so damn fast that Lance got rid of it, I think, in like 2.4, 2.5, and mm-hmm. that ball just hung up in the air, and Gray was able to go and, and, and track it down. So, uh, you know, that obviously is, is a preseason example, but I think that's what the Dolphins are doing to teams in the regular season. They have so much speed that uh, they, they can get open on some of those concepts that you would think would take more time from the offensive line. 
but th- it doesn't take that much time because Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill can get down the field so fast. The um, flipping it around when Jimmy G throws, this is another one where it's interesting because his uh, his uh, best aspects go against the weaknesses of the Miami defense. Miami is 29th in DVOA against passes of 15 yards or fewer. And Jimmy G leads the NFL in DVOA on passes of 15 yards or fewer. So I will say Miami is kind of average when it comes to yards after the catch. I I went to look because obviously that's a huge thing for San Francisco. So it's not like Miami is, oh, we give up tons of yards after the catch, but everybody does against San Francisco. So uh, the fact that, you know, Jimmy G leads a shorter passing game actually attacks a Miami weakness, not a Miami strength. Yeah, and I think that's the matchup that is going under the radar because obviously the headlining uh, battle of this game is is Mike McDaniel and that offense against D'Amico Ryans and the 49ers defense. But uh, the reason the 49ers are favored in this game, and I think they're currently four-point favorites, is because they're just on, on paper, they're, they're a more complete two-way team, right? They have uh, above-average offense and defense, whereas Miami's defense is decidedly below average and especially in the facet that you just talked about pass defense against those shorter passes which is the bread and butter of the 49ers offense with Jimmy Garoppolo so uh you know they often say that the best defense is a is a good offense and I think in this game that might be true for the 49ers because if they can control the football with the short passing game where Miami has been weak the corners uh, haven't been good for Miami Xavier Howard's not having a great year um, that, that, that's, that's, I think really where the 49ers can control the ball. And it, this, this is interesting to me. And, and I'm sure that you've talked about this before on your show. Uh, there's been an inversion this year with the 49ers. And I think the national media is still trying to catch up a little bit, but this, they've been more efficient passing the football than they have been running the ball this year in the past, in their good years with Garoppolo healthy and 19 and 21, they've been fairly balanced efficiency wise. Uh, with both, they ranked, I think, six or seven DVOA and um, run and pass. So it was it was fairly balanced. But this year, that pass game has been top five with Garoppolo, if you take out the week one with Trey Lance. And the run game has been decidedly lower, close to number 20. So uh, that actually, you know, they've started to embrace that. The 40, Shanahan and the 49ers have the past two weeks against Arizona and Mexico City. We saw a stretch that was unprecedented. Uh, in my time covering the 49ers, and I've covered them since Shanahan took over, they had a 15-play stretch at the end of the first half where Garoppolo threw 14 times. Mm. And then he threw 28 times in the first half this past game against the Saints, which was a record for Jimmy Garoppolo, more than even his high in the first half with the Patriots, which was 26. So Mm. the 49ers are starting to embrace a pass to set up the run mentality, and it just so happens that Miami is weak against the short pass game. They haven't really embraced the deep pass game yet. And I don't know if that's going to happen in the Garoppolo era, though. And that's one of the things I'll be looking at. Like, what will the lid be for the safeties for the Miami Dolphins? If they feel like they can have safeties up, creeping up, uh, you know, it's a two-deep shell, but the two-deep is 12 yards deep, not 17 yards deep. I think they can contain what the 49ers are doing right now. And that's probably one of the keys for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, To that, I would say, you know, I, I do think the 49ers have some deep shots up their sleeve to use at the right time. It's obviously right. not not their game. I mean, they, they've they, first of all, they they don't really have deep route runners. They they right. built this roster to to 
maximize yak. I mean, they, they've picked up all these guys that are just going to be trucks to, to, to bring down. <laughs> so th that's how they try to play. Right. But I agree with you. If, if Miami's starting to creep, 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 even if the 49ers are passing over and over again, then, then you've got to hit them deep. And I think, you know, uh, we talked about Danny Gray. Um, he, he, I don't know when he's going to come along for the 49ers, but he's their fastest receiver. And there's a reason why they drafted Danny Gray in the third round was for the reason that you're talking about. So, so they can give opponents that counter punch when there's a little too much creeping from those DBs toward the line of scrimmage. So um, this might be a game where the 49ers do need to utilize that, right? Just given the amount of points they may have to score if right. Miami does get hot offensively. Gray could do the old Marquise Goodwin thing where you kind of hide him in a trips formation and you run what looks like a stretch <laughs> run to the right. And he's just, he just weaves through the middle of the field and just weaves through traffic to get open against the safety. There, there's ways of doing that when you're being run heavy. And, and of course, Kyle Shanahan knows all of those ways. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, he, he's, you know, this is a game that I think coaches take personally and they like to put, mm -hmm. Some of the stuff that might, you know, embarrass the little other guy a little bit, you know, all in good fun. But uh, you're a little extra competitive in, in a game like this, right? Because you know the other guys so well. The 40, uh, yeah, I had done so many like historical pieces on uh, the, the 49ers of the 90s. And one of the ones I had most fun with was 49ers Packers. That was because um, the Packers were coached by the 49ers old staff. And, yeah. you know, Mike Holmgren was a Bill Walsh disciple, right? Started as the QB and offensive coordinator, QB coach and offensive coordinator there. And, uh, the 49ers had a lot of uh, Packers, ex-Packers staffers. They had Steve Mariucci developed Brett Favre in Green Bay. And the, the staffs always took those games extra personally because the, you just <laughs> knew the guys on the other side, right? And mm -hmm. it, when you golfed with them in the offseason, you, you wanted to be able to taunt them a little bit about this play that you called <laughs> against them. And that worked. And I, I get the same dynamic from 49ers-Dolphins. So I think that Shanahan's going to uh, dump out the kitchen sink here. And, and McDaniel's going to do the same the other direction. Uh, let me ask you, speaking of third-round picks, this is the second straight year that the 49ers used a third-round pick on a running back and then don't use him. What is the deal with Ty Davis-Price? You know, I, I think for the 40 it, – it, it's complicated because in the 49ers scheme, running back actually is really important because Shanahan does run so much, and he he likes that position to be versatile too. You've seen the impact that Christian McCaffrey has already had. I just doubt their ability to pick the right running back in the third round, right? You, you know, that again and again, it's they've dropped the ball. First, it was Joe Williams, who was a fourth round pick in 17. Trey Sermon was a third round pick in, I want to say, 21. Yeah, last season, they've already yeah. cut him. Yeah. And now uh, Ty Davis Price. And they've shifted their style of preferred running back to, to these They've gotten bigger and bigger over the years. I don't know if it's an injury prevention thing or, you know, it's probably a little bit of that and a little bit of, oh, we want to bruise people because defenses have generally gotten smaller over the mm -hmm. years. So Ty Davis Price is a 220-pounder. We haven't seen all too much of him. So I, I, he did truck a guy in the preseason, but everybody trucks people in the preseason because you're <laughs> playing against guys that aren't going to make the 53-man roster. Uh, but what's really interesting is that they have another even heavier back. His name's Jordan Mason. He's 223 pounds who's an undrafted free agent who salted the game away against the saints. He, he, he averaged five yards per carry on the final drive. And uh, he, he's the, it looks to me that he's higher in the pecking order than Ty Davis price. So to, for me, it's just that the 49ers, they, they want something special out of these backs that they're picking in the third round. Otherwise you just wait till 
undrafted free agency to get them. And, and they're not quite landing uh, that, that, that special something out of these backs. And Hey, maybe Ty Davis price will show up with his opportunity and show us what he's all about. But so far I haven't seen it. And, and that obviously is a inefficient way of drafting uh, that the 49ers have, have recorded over the past few years. I will say from my mining stats, I will point out third down is going to be really big when Miami is on offense because that is where you have the big gap between these teams. Miami is first passing on third downs, and the San Francisco mm-hmm. defense is 27th. Mm. And what's interesting wow. is if you if you look at it split by a like distance to go, like they're both bad in third and short, and they're both the San Francisco defense and the Miami offense is really good in third and long, mm-hmm. but in third and three to six to go, Miami is third in the league and San Francisco is last. Wow. Wow. I mean, I, know, can... I, I came out with an article today up on the athletic of comparing because a lot of people have been saying, Oh my God, this is an awesome 49ers defense. And I'm not trying to take anything away from them right now, but I just think that people are too, the pendulum swings too violently from, from side oh, to side and how, how quickly we yeah how quickly forget that Kansas City scored touchdowns on six or seven drives against the 49ers which is something yeah. that the 20 the 2019 defense had a bad game against the Saints but anyway everybody's everybody's starting to say oh this defense this is better than the 2019 defense and all this and all that I'm like wait 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 this is a little bit of a revisionist history let me go back and look up the numbers because especially the first 12 weeks of the 2019 season before D Ford got hurt why, why, when that 2019 49ers defense was healthy I remember you guys were doing excellent work. You were, you know, it was the Patriots and the 49ers setting like DVOA records. Ridiculous so, records, yes. Yeah. And I, 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 my eyes don't lie to me that much, right? And I was like, <laughs> that defense looked a lot more overpowering than this one. This 49ers defense is scrappy. They showed up at the goal line and give them all the credit in the world because they turned it up at the goal line. But there's been some leaky yardage, right? I mean, these guys haven't been, haven't been world. I beaters. think the cornerbacks were better in 2019. Well, but it, weeks one through 12, they had a monstrous pass rush. They yeah. had E. Ford healthy. They had Nick Bosa was a rookie, but he was still really good. They had Buckner. They had Armstead. They had everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, the, if you look at the you know EPA generated by sacks and takeaway EPA, all that, that has that's not where it was. They only had one sack against the Saints this past weekend. Um, sure. and, and I didn't think the pass rush was all that overpowering. That's why, you know, you guys brought up the, the, the return of Armstead. I think that's why that's a, such a big deal, potentially, because they, they, they may be able to reapproach that level of pass rush. Maybe not reach it, but reapproach it. And they do have a weak link at corner this year. Charverius Ward's been good, but obviously they Emmanuel Mosley's done. Right. ACL, Jason Verrett never had a chance to play because he tore his Achilles again. Uh, so they have Diamond Lenore there. It, it's not like a disastrous weak link, but it's definitely somebody that opponents will pick on more than Charvarius Ward. Yeah. Do they do by sides or do they follow guys? Uh, it, it, there's been a little bit of a mix that traditionally this had been a by side defense. Uh, but it, it used to be exclusively kind of the old Seattle style cover three model. That's why Richard Sherman was the prototype that they signed to fit in there. They've evolved. Um, over time, and I don't know what they're going to do here against Miami, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Charvarius Ward did some following in in, in this game. So um, I don't know, to be honest. I think there's going to be a mix. I I can't give you a specific answer on that. It's going to be really fun to watch the tape of this game 
afterward because it, it again it is a titanic matchup there you've got such speed that they have to cover on that dolphin side if that's following with tyreek does happen that could screw up a prop bet that i have my eye on let me run this <laughs> past you uh tyreek hill 100 plus receiving yards debo 60 plus receiving yards at plus 300 so you need both of those to happen or, or both of them happen two two two-legged okay. parlay 100 plus for Tyreek, 60 plus for Debo. I like where that Debo number is because that's very, very doable with him playing a dual threat type role. Yeah. Well, hopefully he takes some sweeps that are technically passes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just shovel it forward. I, I like that one. I mean, I think it's got a good chance to hit, but it's also makes the game fun to watch because you're watching the best receiver on each team and rooting for them. And there's two avenues to it. One of the things I like one is Tyreek just goes ham. And the other one is the 49ers mount a lead, and there's a lot of underneath stuff to Tyreek that gets to 100, even with the Dolphins maybe not playing ideally. So from a betting standpoint, I like the fact that there's two avenues on the Tyreek side. Yeah. And, you know, the way that this Miami offense is going, there's two ways that you can hit that 100 yards, right? Yeah. They, Miami can dominate the 49ers, or the 49ers can get off to – a really right. hot start, stuff stuff Miami in the first half, have a big lead because Miami hasn't played a defense this physical. I don't know. I'm just theorizing. Right. But then a lot of garbage yardage in the second right. half, right? You get that backdoor cover. So uh, I like your bet. Good one. <laughs> so the game as a whole is Miami. It's now um, San Francisco is favored by three and a half on the consensus line. It's four yeah. some places and three yeah. others. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw that. I saw it open at 3.5 and um, – I saw at least just on my Yahoo app on my phone, I saw it had bumped up to four on there. So mm -hmm. um, again, a reflection of the fact that the 49ers have been a good two-way team and the Dolphins are still trying to prove themselves as a two-way team. That defense has to get a little bit better. I know they have Bradley Chubb now. 49ers are going to see him for the second time this year. He was with Denver, I believe that was week five or week four when they played uh, week five. Yeah, no. It was really early in week three. Yeah, they played the Broncos in week three because that was Jimmy Garoppolo's first start, and he looked terrible mm. coming off of no offseason. But he's obviously looked a lot better since then. Mm. The difference uh, between 49ers minus three and 49ers minus four is just huge to me in this game. I don't want to I, – I, I, because of the injuries to the tackles of the Dolphins, because of Armstead's return, I want the Niners in this, but I do not want to lay a lot of points. So – the money line is at not minus two hundred five for the Niners. That's a little rich on the other side there. So if I if I, I'm leaning towards the Niners on this, but I would try to find a way to tease that line down. I want two and a half points. I want you know the ability to be like a field goal win and to be scared. yeah yeah because it feels like a game that could be going back and forth, hard fought, and then Robbie yeah. Gold comes in for a forty two yarder at the end, yeah. and then if it's four, then you're still going to lose. So right, <laughs> I agree. If I had to bet, if I had to bet this one, I would put Miami plus the points. But I do like San Francisco as the more likely team to win outright. Yeah. It's going to be All fun. Right. It's it might rain a little bit. It might rain a little bit. It's going to be a really good one that a lot of people are not going to see. We were talking about this because of uh, – what? sorry, what would you say? It's rain? It's raining right now a lot, and there's like a 60% chance on Sunday. So I don't know how Ooh. much, but keep that in mind. 46 oh. and a half is the over-under. These aren't two teams – these are teams that will go under – in the rain this will go under in the rain so i'm going to keep my eye on that maybe get a little parlay going and uh hope for a wet one hope for a mushy yeah. one we were talking before about 
before we came on, I think about the broadcasts that because this is a CBS doubleheader week and this is a Fox game, most of the country is not going to actually see this unless you have Sunday ticket because the national game is going to be Cincinnati and Kansas City. But for Bless people me. who are going to see this, it is going to be really good. Yeah. What's Fox showing? Soccer? Is Fox showing soccer? What's no, Fox it's that, that usually Fox, in most in most markets, Fox will show their one game at 1 o'clock. They'll show Washington Giants. That's uh, wild. Or, or Titans, is Titans-Eagles is on Fox too, right? Titans-Eagles is getting Fox's number one crew. I know yeah. that. They're getting Burkhart, Olsen, and um, Aaron, oh uh, no, who is, is that the number one crew? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 that, that is. So, um, that's the number one crew. And then, um, the number two crew is Joe Davis and Daryl Johnston. And so they'll do, I'm assuming, Giants Commanders. No, the number two crew is doing, uh, Niners. Well, the number two crew is getting San Francisco and Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're getting number, number three yeah. must be getting Giants Commanders. Yes, yes, exactly. It's quite a weekend. I mean, it's a good weekend to have red zone, is what I'm saying. This is yes. a good weekend to have red zone. Yeah, there's going to be a lot going on at once. So probably if you had the choice, you wouldn't be glued on one game anyway. So red zone it is this weekend for those at home. Well, last Sunday, I'm in the bar and, you know, the bartender says, what TVs do you want so we can watch a variety of games? And it's like, eh. Jets versus Bears, maybe, so I could see the Mike White shirt. This the games were awful last week. The games were silly last week. This is amazing. And it's it's gonna be wall to wall, except for the night game, it's gonna be wall to wall bangers. Yeah. Awesome. So everybody take a break and have a nap at night. <laughs> All right. David Lombardi from the Athletics, San Francisco covering the 49ers. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Maybe we'll talk to you come playoff time since I think the 49ers are gonna be there. Yeah, your your uh, simulations have them at I think a ninety five or ninety six percent chance at this point. Yeah, it's pretty oh. pretty likely. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are doing an awesome job. Keep it up, and thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, take care. See ya. Thank you. All right, Mike and I are going to go through the rest of this awesome schedule. There's five other games between two teams with winning records. So uh, we're going to start with just a brief look at the Bills at the Patriots Thursday night, because we know some of you are going to be listening to this as a podcast on Friday, and this game will have already been played. It is the most important game for Super Bowl odds because the Bills' Super Bowl odds take a tumble if they lose their third game in the division. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I Call me just a really pessimistic Patriots fan, but we know that the Patriots – have a bad history with mobile quarterbacks like Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that the Patriots have a bad history with Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, uh, I, I just pulled up the Bills injury report from yesterday. And I think it, you crashed, have some injuries. It, it crashed my hard drive. Um, now, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get through the, the uh, veteran rest here. Okay, Tremaine Edwins was a full participant for the Bills. That's very good news for the Bills. Deion Dawkins, the tackle's out. That's a big problem. There's a bunch of guys listed with illnesses. And I'm assuming they're going to be playing like Dane Jackson along the way. We know Von Miller is not available. Huh. Greg Rousseau was a full participant. And I think that's a very important uh, person coming back. Obviously, with Von Miller out, they need some rotation of pass rushers who are threatening. And they need Rousseau in that, in that rotation. 
The Patriots have no Isaiah Wynn. Okay. Uh, I believe I believe there's no David Andrews, and um, Trent Brown now has an illness. Okay. A lot so of the Patriots have their own injury questions on the offensive line. Right. And that's gonna and Jordan Phillips will be playing. It looks like he was a full participant. I think in that interior with David Andrews out, that's a big part of this. If, if the Bills are getting a consistent rush up the middle, um, that's going to offset the loss of Miller. And then I start questioning, well, how are the Patriots going to score any points in this game? Yeah. Here's a fun tidbit, by the way, from the new quarterback passing by direction stats that you can get as an FO Plus subscriber. He's brand new for FO Plus subscribers. Mac Jones is the worst quarterback in the league throwing to his left and the third best throwing to his right. Trubisky time. It's like you get wrestling. really weird results when you like I honest truth, I happen to think that those the bi-direction stats mean more when you look at short versus deep. Yes. And when you look at middle versus outside. Yes. Right? Like left versus right, you end up with weirdness. Like why would this be the case other than randomness? But right. it's weird. It's just it, weird. It is. It could be speaking to installation problems with the way that the offense was put together. We're always skeptical of what Patricia and 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 uh, JJ did yeah. with these guys, and it's like, you know, is it a situation where the backside throws were emphasized, were installed properly? Are the guys running the backside routes, running routes that Josh McDaniels would have had him do, where they're available to Jones? It could be stuff like that. It could also be random. We're gonna have a big split with the Commanders coming up that I have yeah. no concept of. I'm guessing it involves McLaurin. But that that is that is a truly random stat. It doesn't speak to the overall health, certainly, of the Patriots passing game. So uh, the Bills are favored now. It has dropped to three and a half. I Ooh. am so heavy on the Bills here. Bills minus three and a half. Give me, give me, give me. Yes. If I'm getting, if I only have to lay three and a half points on the Bills, I'm going to take that every day of the week. I am not going to overthink it. And I see the over under down at forty three. I could be tempted to go over on that one. Uh, what's the weather like up there? What's the weather like in New England? Sunny. Just, uh, just like sunny. It's nice. It's like 40 degrees. We had a massive rainstorm last night, but we're fine for tonight. Okay. Then then, then I might uh, – I'm not going to check the parlay now. I, I might go Bills and over just to make it juicy. All right. A reminder, by the way, if you're watching us live, and we're on live 1 p.m. Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, please feel free to ask us questions in the chat. If you're watching on YouTube or Twitch, you can ask questions in the chat. Uh, let's move on to the Commanders at the Giants. This is the most important game for playoff odds by far. If the Commanders win this, they make the playoffs 83% of the time. If they lose, it's 39 if the Giants win, they make the playoffs 73% of the time. If they lose, it's 29. Um, by the way, you had mentioned the Wild Commanders split. That's a defensive split, not an offensive Oh, split. wait, I was looking at the wrong thing? But here's the weird thing about – unless there's an offensive one, too, that I didn't see. Ah, I, must have, I was looking at the wrong chart here. Then. The weird commander split, their defense by pass direction is 31st on passes to the left. Yes. And First on passes to the right. And your first thought is William Jackson, right? William Jackson right. sucked the first couple of weeks of the season. If you take out the games that William Jackson played, okay. it's still 31st to the left. Huh. Well, so some of it seems to be that Kendall Fuller is over there a lot and seems to be having a poor year. He's allowing 8.8 .8 yards per target. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else is causing it. 
But if it's real, then that's a problem because Daniel Jones is much better throwing left where the Washington is weak than he is throwing <laughs> right where Washington is strong. Right. So you're going to be like watch this game. I mean, I'm not going to be watching this game because I'm probably going to be watching the um, Eagles and the Titans or the Vikings and the Jets. Yeah. But um, if you watch this game, it's like, uh, how real is that going to be? Because if those are real splits are for real, like Jones is just going to pick on that left side over and over again. Yeah. It's weird. Now, I'm the president of the Benjamin St. Just fan club. Is yes, the, he, but he seems to be on moving around. He doesn't seem to be on around. either side particularly. Right, so it's not him. He's the French-Canadian Richard Sherman, as I like to, to call him. Uh, but uh, it's not necessarily him. The problem with anything involving the splits of Danny Jones is week to week to week, he has a completely different and generally worse set of receivers he's throwing to. Now I see Richard James. Richie James is on the injury report. He was the guy who was filling in for the guy who was filling in for the guy who was filling in. Wendell Robinson has obviously been out. I think he got hurt in uh, – I think he got hurt in the Thanksgiving game or the week before. Yeah. Um, Kenny Galladay is still there. Ha, 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 ha. Um, and Odell Beckham Jr. is probably driving straight through the Meadowlands, straight up uh, the, the New York Thruway to, to talk to the Bills right now because I think that little ship has sailed. So I don't know – how the the Giants can exploit that particular matchup. And yet the Giants are the better offense this year. I mean, even with all the receiver injuries they've had, the Giants are 16th in offensive DVOA. Washington is 26th. Well, I think the Giants are trending in the opposite direction there, particularly the second halves of the last couple of games. The Giants have not been able to do anything really on both sides of the ball. Well, interesting. Oh, for the season as a whole, both offenses are better after halftime because I was actually saying – this is an interesting game to go under 20 in the first half. Ooh. The Giants have the worst defense in the league after halftime. Yes. Yeah. They run it, they run out of guys. And like both offenses get better after halftime this year. And both teams, particularly the Washington Commanders, like to move very methodically. They are 30th in situation neutral offensive pace. They are trying to slow games down. They are handing off to Brian Robinson. They're playing hide the Heineke a lot there, and they try to munch the clock all the way. So I, first half under I love because it then it does prevent that possibility that either of these teams, you, you know, start playing a little bit faster to try and win in the fourth Another quarter. reason to like the under is field position. The yes. commanders are the best punting team in the league. Wow. The Giants are the worst punt return team in the league. See, they missed Joe Judge. Richie James has fumbled away three punt returns. And don't you didn't you mention the Commanders have like two muff punt returns or something? Oh, like recoveries or I think that they have yeah that they've recovered that from from other teams, which is rare. You you rarely recover a muffed punt by another team. Yeah, right. And and of course that's not a sustainable thing. But punt return problems for the Giants when the guy who fumbles is injured and his backup is coming in. That's a problem. One thing I noticed with the Commanders is. When, when that punt is two yards, three yards deep in the end zone, they love – I think it's Dax Milne. I think they might have gotten another guy. They love taking that ball out to the like 16-yard line. The commanders lead the league in. Why don't you just kneel in the end zone and take the touchback? <laughs> don't take this ball out. They do it so consistently, and it's like, okay. And Heineke takes over first and 10 at the 17-yard line after the 19-yard return. So that's another thing that favors. Good the for under. them that, that Tressway is so good. But, yeah, that favors under. I mean, that if they're, bad, if they're bad at taking out returns, but they're also really good at punting, that favors under. Um, what do you think? Well, first of all, you have a prop you liked in this game. 
I did have a prop from, I like from this game. And I'm going to go find Oh, yes. Brian Robinson. Again, they're doing a lot uh, to just try to let him thump the ball. He's been playing very well the last couple of weeks. Uh, Mina Kimes on her podcast, which I was on, and you can find it on Apple or whatever you use podcasts for. She mentioned that when the uh, that the commanders use motion in their running game more than I think any other team in the NFL, you know, a lot of, and a lot of that's to try to hide the short passes they're setting up and just disguise a pretty simple game plan for Heineke. The Giants give up something like six yards per run when there's motion in the running game. You know, if, if, if they're forced to make a lot of decisions, especially in the back seven with all those backups out there and guys, they're going to have trouble. So the prop with Brian Robinson, who I think will get fed the ball, is just 100 rushing yards, 100 plus rushing yards, and one or more rushing touchdown at plus 350. Yeah, I think it really depends how much do you think they're going to use Gibson, right? Like just how right. much, what is the Gibson versus Robinson ratio? Otherwise, I mean, yeah. Like if you asked me like Washington's whole running game, I would absolutely take that. It's just a question right. of how much they're Robinson versus Gibson. And it's gone back and forth this year. It was like yeah. – when Robinson came back, it looked like he was really going to take over as running back one. And then there have been a couple of weeks where Gibson's gotten more snaps and it's gone right. back and forth. Right. I, I, I feel pretty comfortable. Samuel gets used a lot as like a jet sweep guy and he'll sneak into the backfield. So that's a third guy that they get they get some running plays out of. I'm leaning towards keeping this game a little more interesting by running that prop bet. So uh, the line is Washington minus two and a half. I hate, I hate that this game's important. I hate that this game is meaningful. <laughs> like, these teams are not good. They're just 20 I feel like these teams are pretty equal. I know DVOA yes. says Washington is a little bit better. I feel yeah. like these teams are really equal. So I would go with the Giants plus two and a half because they're the home team. And I'll, I'll, I would rather have the points than yeah. give the points. I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to lean towards Washington. I think that they have a plan for success that's working right now. I think they have been a stronger team since the quarterback change. I don't know what Chase Young's status is. They're being coy about that. I have a feeling we're not going to see him for another week. But I'm going to lean towards Washington. I think the DVOA is telling us that the Giants are fading, that they lose. They, they're suddenly yeah. like out of this playoff picture. Of course, they'd have the Commanders and the Eagles again. Right. They, mean, the, the weird schedule is the Commanders and Giants, then the Commanders yeah. get a week off, Yeah. and then Commanders and Giants again. <laughs> right, right. So the Commanders play the Giants two straight games. But the Giants get the Eagles in between. Yes. Yeah, and the Eagles will be coming off of whatever happens in Tennessee, which might they might not be pleased about. I'm going to go with the Commanders in this game. Uh, Jets at Vikings. Woo! So here we go. This is the one. Let's see how right DVOA is. Now, we know that uh, the Jets, by the way, make the playoffs 77% of the time if they win, 51% if they lose. Minnesota's basically in the playoffs. Yes. Um, we know we've been talking about this on the Discord. If you want to talk to Football Outsiders writers, talk the Discord. The link is below this on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to the live, if you're listening to the podcast afterwards, go to FootballOutsiders.com. On Sunday, when we do the live blog, there's always a link to the Discord. We've been talking a little on the Discord about how the Jets might be overrated by DVOA because of the backup quarterbacks that they play. Okay. But here's the thing. The, the team that they've played where I think the difference between the backup and the starter is the biggest is Miami. And the Vikings did the same thing. By the and way. the Vikings did the same thing. <laughs> right. right. Like, it's possible that the Jets are overrated by DVOA because they're getting too much of an opponent adjustment for playing Miami because the opponent adjustment is primarily based on Tua. 
except that the Vikings are getting the same adjustment. So if the Jets are a little overrated by DVOA, then the Vikings are a little overrated by DVOA for the exact same reason. Right. I have a hard, and, and we've been doing this for 20 years with DVOA, starting to line item veto Well, this game and this right. game. And this this game, game matters, but this game doesn't. And this game matters and this game doesn't. And I mean, yeah, you yeah. have to, you have to, you know, you have to think, you know, there's a reason why we put words next to the numbers. Sometimes <laughs> right. there are teams that really have played a lot of backup quarterbacks. Right. But I don't know how big the difference is this year between Pickett and Trubisky. I don't know how big the difference really is actually between Wilson and Rippon. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And um, the other one is Brissett, and the whole Cleveland opponent adjustment is based on Brissett because he's played the whole year. So that doesn't matter. Right. And again, Minnesota has a couple of weird games in there thrown in. So I'm not buying the overrated. I mean, the thing that we have to look at looking forward is how many weeks before Mike White shows that he's just Mike White, that he's not going to be – anything other than a custodian. And then where does he level out at? Does he level out at something Flacco-like? A maybe defense like the Bills is going to expose him. As I don't think year. a defense like the Vikings is going to. I don't think the Vikings defense exposes anybody. I mean, Mac Jones looked like last year's Mac Jones meets Tom Brady for about mm-hmm. a half of that game uh, before they shut down because the Vikings defense looks to me like two edge rushers um, and one very uh, – very opinionated cornerback who's happy to not be at hit with his old team now. And then a, a lot of 30 something dudes that like are kind of professional, but don't, but don't provide a lot. Yeah. I, the, the Vikings are only, even with those pass rushers, the Vikings yeah. are only 27th in ESPN's pass rush win rate. Right. And they're below average in pressure rate at PFR. And, and you saw that on Thanksgiving night, right? It was, wasn't until the end of the game that they were getting pressure. Yeah. You know, so I just, I've, you know, I feel like the Jets are just the better team. Like, the Jets are just – the defense is so much better than the Vikings' defense. Like, the fact is the Vikings are below average on DVOA because of two games. Yes. Dallas and Philly. Right. Essentially, for most of the season, what the Vikings have been is a slightly above-average team yes. that keeps escaping with close wins. And I think that that's what they'll be here. They'll be like an average team. But the Jets, because their defense is really good this year, and now that they have Mike White instead of Zach Wilson, I feel like the the Jets are an above-average team this year. So I really like Jets plus three in this game. I mean, I just I, – I, I'm going with our numbers. I think the Vikings – might win by two. I was going to say get their comeuppance, but it's more likely that the Vikings win by two, the Jets cover, and the Vikings get another first. It's weird because uh, so much of the Vikings is here are all these tiny advantages that don't look like they're sustainable, like the penalty advantage, which I don't think is is real, and like some of the field position advantages and just these weird little things that pop up. It's like, oh, well, that's why they're winning all these games. On the one hand, I don't think they're sustainable. On the other hand, when you're playing the Jets – like oh the Jets are going to manufacture a victory using like their uh, you know using their ability to like play sound fundamentally sound football it just yeah, sounds weird. I know it sounds weird. Useful title points out there is one thing about the Vikings that is not average. Yes, and that is Justin Jefferson. Yeah, but Sauce Gardner I don't know how much we're going to see Sauce on Justin Jefferson because Sauce uh, the Jets tend to play by sides completely by sides. That's why uh, the Jets are number one in DVOA against passes to the left. Yes, because that's generally where Sauce Gardner is. So if Jefferson goes back and forth, sometimes he'll be on Gardner. Sometimes he'll have DJ Reed. 
which DJ Reed is also having a very good season. And right. by the way, I don't think any – if it's just sauce against Justin Jefferson, my money is on Jefferson. Uh, Jefferson, 100%. In fact, the one thing you don't want as a Vikings fan is this sort of Kirk Cousins mentality drop back. Oh, I don't like that matchup. I'm going to take it down to Jerry Munt. You know, I'm going to throw it down to CJ Ham in the flat because I don't want to challenge that. You want, go out there, challenge that, challenge that, challenge that. I, I think Jefferson is going to win against Sauce Gardner. No disrespect to Sauce Gardner, he is a rookie, and you want them. To, you want the Vikings playing with that sort of mentality. Yeah, I'll, I'll always take the top wide receiver against the top cornerback. Yes. Um, yes. Because the offense knows where the ball is going more than the defense. Does. <laughs> right. 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 I, I, I'm still. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the Jets and the points. And feel comfortable with that, but it's a ticking time bomb. After this, you have to want to abandon the Mike White show until he shows you something besides Captain Checkdown and the uh, and the Caretaker Express. You know, yeah. you need more than that. Uh, Titans at Eagles. Ooh. Yeah, a really big game with the Eagles in it. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Tennessee is fascinating because they completely turned their defense around at their bye week. Yeah. Uh, that being said, it primarily was concentrated in week seven to 10. Their defense has somewhat reverted over the last two weeks to being bad again. It mostly was that their pass, def their pass defense, I mean, their run defense is always good. Yes. Their pass defense has reverted a little bit. So here's the thing. We know that, we know that the Eagles like to run, right. but are they, can they go super pass heavy against a defense that screams, Go pass heavy against us. <laughs> and by the way, looking... I'll add one more thing before you answer. Yeah. The Titans are a below average defense against quarterback scrambles. Whoopsie. They have given up 176 yards on scrambles, which is the fifth highest in the NFL. So when you know how good they are against the run, that doesn't mean scrambles. Right. And it kind of means that you have Simmons in the middle. Um, I don't know Autry's health status on the line. I think Autry's out. He is out. That's a big difference maker in this game. And just, you know, the week seven to ten, the 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 improvement of Titans defense, Colts, Texans, Chiefs, Broncos. So kind of what you're saying there is they played really well against the Chiefs. Oh, I, I don't know if he's out yet. I'm thinking of the last game that he was definitely out for. I don't think they've announced whether Autry is out or not. Sorry. Okay. Okay. But, like, the, the Titans' month-long thing really boils down to they played the Chiefs outstandingly, which yeah. is very true, and they did. I don't know what the sustainability of that is. I think they played the Bengals pretty well for most of the game uh, this week. But um, defensively, I think, you know, they can be okay. they got to score more than 16 points. they got to score more than 17 points. The Titans. The Titans. Right, and they're going to want to run, right? It's, I mean, because the Eagles, like, as good as the Titans are against the run, the mm -hmm. Eagles are – against the pass and bad yes. against the run. Yes. Although the Eagles, it, it didn't look very good against the Packers, but that game was cuckoo bananas. The run defense did have some struggles again. That's a different team that can kind of stress you a couple ways. This is a team that's a little bit like what the Colts were, what the Texans were, uh, better obviously, but they want to just smash it down your throat. Last couple of weeks, that has not worked very well for Derrick Henry and the Titans. They're no. not where they were a couple of weeks back with that. Um, I wrote in uh walked through either the one that's published now or the one that's being published tomorrow. Ironically, the Titans are the best first down passing team. That's today's walkthrough. That's fact. today's yeah. walkthrough. First down, best first down passing team. And folks, you can understand what's happening. They run the ball far more often, usually I formation, 
22 uh, personnel, something with two tight ends, whatever. They thump, thump, thump with Henry, and then they find excuses to go over the top. They've got to be able to be successful in that game, I think. Because if you're if the plan is, oh, we're just going to score 16 points because Henry's going to gain six, seven yards at a time against the Eagles, it, it's, it's not going to be enough. That's not a su- sustainable path. The Titans are 15th in DVOA running on first down. Yes. And 25th running on second down. And that's where the Eagles are usually bad because it's like the idea, the, the thing that the commanders did and the thing that the Texans were a joke tried to do is run, 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 set up second and three. I mean, third and three, third and one, get the first down. Make sure you don't have a pass rush situation. The Titans do not want a pass rush situation with their tackles. Their tackles are bad. And I think they have a problem at center right now as well. So I if they're not. Yeah, ben Jones has been out. Yeah, Jones has been out. The, the two tackles are not particularly good. They can't be in third and long, so they're going to want to do that run-run situation. If they're not doing it effectively, they're done. If they can't get a first-down play action, bomb to Burks, play action, bomb to uh, Westbrook Akeen or whoever else is out there, they're going to be in trouble. So the line is Eagles minus four and a half with an over-under of 44.5. Uh, that four and a half is tight. I'm going to, I'm going to play it with the Eagles at home. Or I, I feel like the Titans are a fading team that they're going to be running out of, like, the magic that Vrabel has done. Um, it, three and a half would feel better than four and a half. It's like yeah. that again. But now I'm riding the Eagles bandwagon this year, so I'll ride it in this game and pick the Eagles also, even, even with the spread. Keep riding. Keep riding Keep the bandwagon. Riding. <laughs> All right, one more game to preview, uh, and that is Chiefs at Bengals. So this Ooh. is the national 4 p.m. game. Uh, rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. Bengals make the playoffs 85% of the time if they win, 59% if they lose. The Chiefs are basically in the playoffs, but they make the Super Bowl 35% of simulations where they win this game, 27% where they lose. Jamar Chase will finally be back, and the Chiefs rank 26th against number one wide receiver. Oof. Oof. Where do they rank against number two, and where do they rank against number three? Because they're better. They're better against twos and threes. Right. The Chiefs are more like a normal team this year. They're very, very good, and they're less like this wacky NFL blitz situation we get. Yeah, it's interesting because I wrote about this in the DVOA article. But EPA measures have the Chiefs way ahead of the rest of the league hmm. in offense. Okay. Whereas DVOA has them number one in offense, but like reasonable number one. Right. And the difference is primarily weeks one to six. Okay. And primarily third down. Okay. But they were so superlative, ridiculous on third downs in weeks one to six. Okay. The EPA thinks they're like one of the greatest offenses of all time. Mm-hmm. Whereas DVOA, you're looking at DVOA. So you're like, oh, the Chiefs are the best offense in the league, but they're not like the best team in the league necessarily because right. their defense is kind of average and because their offense isn't like, way ahead of everybody else but right. epa actually has their offense way ahead of everybody so that's yeah. sort of an interesting point. that's interesting i mean I, i'm going to go with dvoa there because our all of our eyeballs will tell us the same thing like yeah uh you know that this is a team that's up there with the bills you know etc at the top of the league but not i mean we've watched the chiefs for years they don't feel like they felt three years ago no i don't think they do either i don't feel like they feel like they're unstoppable i feel like this is the best offense in the league I mean, I don't know. Right now, the Miami offense, if you take out the non-Tua games, is probably yeah. higher. Right. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. 
flip side of this is it's been like a month since we've seen Jamar Chase, and we have this like ever-evolving Bengals team. The Bengals team that had Chase Higgins, Boyd healthy, their offensive line wasn't sorted out yet totally early in the season. Right. More recently, their offensive line has played better. I think part of that is they've become a little bit more savvy as play callers to a degree. I think that they've diversified their running game a little bit. I think that they've gotten more comfortable with their short game. And now when we come back, we might be seeing like a optimized Bengals team that we have not seen all season. Um, the Chiefs defense is third in pressure rate. So I will give them that. Their defense is not, is very average overall, but they're really mm -hmm. good at pressuring. Burrow is 10th in ESPN's QBR among quarterbacks under pressure. No, he's especially the last couple of weeks when it, when it wasn't the chaos of the first two or three weeks, he has discovered the joy of checking down. Yeah, he actually only play. took a couple of sacks last week. He only took like two. He he, he was not getting sacked all the time last week. So. He was not getting sacked all the time. He has not been getting sacked all the time recently. If I'm Spags, well, if I'm Spags, I'm blitzing six million times because I'm Spags. But if I if it was me in place of Spags. I'd be trying to run some stunts and things on the front, take advantage of the uh, of the athleticism of our defense of the defensive front four of the Chiefs, without necessarily like sacrificing what goes on in the back seven. Because one thing I you know Jonah Williams is a good left tackle. He's not a great left tackle. If you start pressuring him to move laterally, you're going to get mistakes out of him. Leal Collins is incredible going in a straight line and, and and sort of like in a smooth back pedal and things like that. If he starts to make choices and has to sort of bend laterally. You can get him in trouble. So I think there's ways to pressure Joe Barrow without, uh, you know, jailbreak blitzing. Just a question of whether Spags wants that or whether Spags wants, wants, to, wants to spag. Uh, the line on this one is Chiefs minus two and a half on the road. It's an over-under of 52.5. Too high for the over-under. Too high for the over-under. Um, if, if I'm getting the Chiefs, I'm taking them right now. At two and a half, it's kind of like the yeah, the um the FO plus system liked the Bengals very slightly plus two and a half, but okay. my subjective feeling is that if I had to bet on this game, I would bet Chiefs minus two and a half. Right, it's interesting. Like if the Bengals win this, like they confirm, like you guys have been sleeping on us all year. We were the AFC championship. We we yeah. got we stunk in week one. You buried us, and you haven't been paying attention to all the things we're doing. That that storyline comes to the forefront. With this victory, I'm paying matter. attention. The Bengals are sixth in DVOA. Like the right. the Bengals are good. Yes, I, I just do think the Chiefs are better. Right, and it's, it's more like the national thing. Like, how often do you hear, you know, the Bengals listed among for a team that made the Super Bowl last year? You not yeah. as much as you would. Do. Right, right, and the 49ers could say the same thing. Hey, we, remember we were a championship? We almost made the Super Bowl last year, and mm -hmm. you know, we're sitting on the side here, and you're like, I, I don't know about Jimmy Garoppolo. You haven't known about him for five years. We're, we're, we're in the playoffs every time, you know. All right. Before we go for this week, I want to remind you of our uh, sponsor, which is Underdog Fantasy. And if you play Underdog Fantasy with us, you get to double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. If your season-long fantasy teams are not in the playoffs, you can play Underdog's Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional DFS sites. You can even win $50,000 for grabbing first place. Or try Pick'em Games, where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even in states like mine, where traditional <laughs> prop betting is not currently available. 
Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store. Use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. All right, that does it for today's Thursday show. Come back tomorrow, Friday at 1 p.m. for the Hot Takes show with Kale and Jackson. Mike will be back Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern for a review of this awesome weekend of football, lucky number 13. I will be back on Tuesday at 1 p.m. for the DVOA Data Show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching live. And we will talk to you guys after week 13. So long.